are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. Together, let's create better. Today, I'm going to show you how to put task-oriented movement therapy activity into action. We're going to put them into movement activities, and in doing so, we're going to act them out with our bodies. The research indicates that a task-oriented movement therapy activity result in children improving their language comprehension, their language expression, their story comprehension, their story expression, and lastly, their executive function skills. Let's get started. We are going to make this easy by developing only one educationally rich activity, two at the most, that we are going to use with every child on your caseload. And this activity is multifaceted because communication impairment are a multifaceted disorder and they need multifaceted treatment goals, but they also require multifaceted activity for the child to engage in. So this is when things get very, very fun. This is the problem I see today. And I myself have done this. I've been there, done that. The first problem is that preschoolers are sitting at a table and they're sitting at a table for 30 minutes for prolonged periods of time. And the problem with that is the research shows that every six minutes, a child age five and under needs to move for there to be optimal attention. So these children instead are being forced to sit for 30 minutes. That's the expectation. You're gonna have to be really engaging to keep this child's attention. I mean, you're going to have to be like SpongeBob SquarePants if you're going to keep this child's attention. You're going to have to be like a sensory jack in the box. And I was there and I have done that. Why? Because you're breaking the rules of the child's physiology and neurology and what the child's capable of. So if you're going to break the rules and have the child do something that's not developmentally appropriate, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to be highly entertaining and you're going to be highly exhausted and you're going to be doing a lot of redirection because you're asking the child to do something that's not developmentally appropriate. You're going to have to take it up a million notches. So bring your pot of espresso if you're going to do this approach. Second, we're doing today that is just not good practice. So remember we talked about entrainment in which the mouth and the body are connected. So you want to be doing with the body what you want the mouth to do. But instead, a lot of therapy today, and there's no excuse for this because we know better, is having the child say, for instance, a snake sound, an S blend, which is a continuous sound, while they dab a bingo marker. So this is a stop 
behavior. This makes sense if you're doing P, B, T, D, N, K or G even. It does not make sense if you're doing a continuate sound. So having these children engage in physical behaviors that are nothing like the speech or language target. So this is not going to accelerate gains. People say, well, we do it for novelty. We do it to make it more fun. What you're really going to do is you're going to have the opposite effect. You're going to distract from the child's cognitive and attentional load. You need 100% on the communication target. You don't need the child to be putting a token in the bank while the child's doing something totally different with their mouth and their mind, unless you want 50% effort. That's what you're doing. You don't need to have the child picking up chipper chats, or you don't need to have the child sliding beads while they're doing something totally different as a communication target, unless you want 50% of the child's cognitive and attentional load. You don't. You want 100%. So this is another problem. Still common today, I see all of these videos. Look at my wonderful therapy session, and they have the child doing something totally different with their hands than what they're doing with their mouth and their mind. So we got to stop that. It's it's not evidence-based practice. It's very counterproductive, right? The third thing that we see is that children are learning through visual means only. So they're learning through the boom cards and that's it. Bring out the iPad and this is what we're doing every session. This is a huge concern to me. What I see are that districts are paying subscriptions that are very expensive. Districts that aren't paying by toys, might I add, or not paying for movement materials. Instead, they're paying for subscriptions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a child to interact with a screen. And these activities, I've been there, I've checked them out, are very cause and effect in nature. These are not going to change these children's lives. Maybe they're going to keep them busy and keep them entertained with all of their sensory sound effects, with all of their flashing movements. Basically, what you're doing is stimulating these children's amygdala to get their attention, their fight, flight, freeze with loud noises, with quick movement flashes. You're getting their attention on the cheap. You're doing the opposite of what we want to do in communication therapy, which is to stimulate higher level thinking, the prefrontal lobe to the cerebellum thinking. We want to go higher brain, not low brain. And this is very important. You can't have both. If you're in the higher level brain, you can't be in the amygdala brain. It's like a light switch. You can't be both. So the research shows when you have these bittersweet emotions, such as you're graduating from your speech pathology program, you're going to miss all your friends, but you're so happy because you're free and you're like crying, you're smiling at the same time in your head, you've got a light switch, amygdala, you know, pain, happiness, pain, happiness, pain, happiness. It's a light switch. So if you want to go for those amygdala activities, I would say not only are you not helping the child, you're probably even hurting the child because you're strengthening the amygdala connections instead of the prefrontal lobe. You're doing the opposite of what we want to do. The next area that we see a lot of today where there's the leg and the research to the practice is that the children with sensory needs or attentional deficits are asked to be seated for a prolonged period of time. This is another thing where you're setting this child up for failure, something that the child is not able to do neurologically, but we're going to hold that expectation. So there's 100% likelihood these children are going to be redirected. So these poor children that are sensory seekers or that have attention deficit disorder, they deserve 80% success in their day. 
But unfortunately, many of them are being redirected 80% of the time. And why? Because we're telling them they need to sit in a seat, which they just can't do. And we're going to keep redirecting them. Every human being has a right to 80% success in a school day. And if this child is 80% of the time failing, this child is in a hole they cannot get out of. This is not okay. We need to change the environment so that this child can be 80% successful. Remember that 80% rule that's in stone? It's that way with behavior as well. The next area we're looking at is where we're sitting at the table is we know from the research that children have more sedentary seated behavior. I'm not even talking about screen time. I'm talking about seated time, have poor executive function. So what they found is children that go to school and engage in movement activities from Monday to Friday, and if they on the weekend spend a lot of time sedentary, they have poor executive function than children who on the weekend are active and playing outside or engaged in sports. So what we're talking about here is movement matters when it comes to executive function. And executive function is huge. And our children with speech sound disorders that just are tick are statistically more likely to have executive function issues. Our children with language impairment, even more so. Our children with developmental disabilities, even more so. So basically, everyone on your caseload is more likely to have executive function issues. All of them. So even the child that just has difficulties with RNS. So we want to give them task-oriented movement activities to treat executive function as a secondary treatment to the communication impairment. All right, so this is what we're doing all wrong. We are going to get rid of all of this at the table for 30 minutes, drill and kill. We are not helping the children doing by doing this. We're missing out. There's a lag between the research and practice. What are we going to do instead? So the preschool age children, we know every six minutes, minimally, we're going to want them to move. So we're going to talk about how we're going to make that possible because then we can get 100% of their cognitive load for attention, 100% of their cognitive load, and then we can give them the good stuff, the top shelf goals, because they are all in this kind of like high intensity interval training. You can't do high intensity interval training for a half hour, but you can do sprints, take a break. Sprints, take a break. So that's how you are able to give 100% and challenge creates change. Just like the body, the brain is operating the same way. So you can think of your speech therapy sessions as a high intensity interval training of 30 minutes in which you go high, take a break. High, take a break. High, take a break. So in a typical session, the child's going to read the paragraph about eight times. We are going to look at now how we can use the multimodal learning experience after that to give the children to the highest degree. So we're changing what we're doing here. And we're saying that A, the preschool age children need to move. They need that break. We get 100% attention. Then we're also going to let them act out the stories after they're done. And then we're going to give them the multimodal cueing. So when they're giving 100%, they're giving 100% of their effort with our help. So we're going to take them beyond what they were currently able to. We're giving them the scaffolds. The next thing, this is very important. 
Children that have ADD, and if you work with children with communication impairments, they have attentional issues as well. And children who are sensory seekers, a lot of neuroscientists say the reason behind that, they have lower dopamine levels. So they're trying to, through movement, increase their dopamine levels. The neat thing about task-oriented movement activities is the dopamine levels go up. And why do the dopamine levels go up? Because these children have a task. They have a goal to accomplish. So our dopamine levels are, don't go up because we're moving. Our dopamine levels go up because we're working for something. When we have a purpose, we have a higher level of dopamine. It's just not movement in itself. It's not just bounce on the ball and your dopamine levels are going to go up. It's not go ahead and swing on the swing and your dopamine levels are going to go up. It's give the child a purpose. Do this activity, this movement to accomplish something. There's a marathon. There's, there's a finish line. Very important. That's what dopamine level is about. It's about purpose. The next thing we're going to look at is we want to improve executive function through task-oriented movement activities. So this is what a good session looks like. This is top shelf. We're giving them the sprouted bread. We are coming in the form of top shelf here. And what we're going to do is we only need one loaf of bread, and we're going to use that same loaf of bread with every single child on your caseload. Okay, so what you're going to do is you are going to spend a little time developing this educationally rich, I like to think of it as almost like this organic soup that's going to nourish the child immensely, and you're going to make a big pot of it. And that's what you're going to give every single child on your caseload, making small modifications depending on the child. You're not going to reach like I did in the past for the fast food. You're not going to say, here's a burger, here's a hot dog, and, and pull off your shelf a chipper chat for you and a pragmatic bingo for you and, and all of this low-level junk food. No more junk food in therapy. We are going to make the organic soup that contains all of the active ingredients, and we're going to use that throughout the week. So stop thinking fast food and start thinking quality, making a big batch and using it Monday through Friday with every child on your caseload. So I want to make this easy for you. I promise this is a million times easier than having eight different activities behind you and working like a conveyor belt. I felt like I was working in a factory. You're the child they work with this language activity with. That's this one. You're I'm doing speech with. That's this activity. Yours I'm doing pragmatics with. This is this activity. You're augmentative communication. I'm doing this. You have autism. Taking out the trains. This is fast food. Our kids deserve better than that. We can do better than that. We know better than that. We don't need to go back to the past. We're in the present. We're innovative practice here. Okay. So let's see what this looks like. So this is the mountain the children have in front of them we show, showed before. And you see that the child is climbing the mountain in a task-oriented movement activity. Dopamine levels are through the roof because we have a purpose. A lot of people are like, use movement in your speech therapy. And the kids are jumping in this huge ball pit and the kids are swinging and the kids are doing this and that. But where's the purpose? Where's the executive function? Where's the multiple steps? There's a 
big difference between simply moving and moving with a purpose. Task-oriented movement is not just movement. And what the research has found is just movement does not improve executive function. Just aerobic movement, having children do jumping jacks, that doesn't improve executive function. That improves aerobic functioning, endurance, health. It's good stuff. Maybe oxygenation to the brain. There's good stuff happening. It's movement. But what does improve executive function is what we're going to talk about today, where they have a task. They have multiple steps. There's a task to accomplish. That's executive function. And we're going to go through those steps. Not bouncing on the ball and saying your target over and over again. That's not going to improve executive function. Swinging on the swing. Doing your communication target, swing, swing, swing. No, 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 no. Okay, that's low level. You can do better than that. So task-oriented movement activities that we're going to talk about today, that we're going to develop one every week. What does it improve? Activities of daily living. Core strength. Core comes first. Many of our children have horrible cores. They can't even sit up um, by themselves. They have an adult behind them so they don't flop over. we got to start at the core. It improves Gross motor, fine motor, this is fine motor, speech is fine motor, eye contact is fine motor, pointing is fine motor. That comes lastly. Okay, children can't fly. We we have these children with autism come into us, and what do we do? We're like, okay, we're going to write a pointing goal. We're going to make an eye contact, join attention goal. We're going to have some babbling goals. We go right to the fine motor, and this child can't even get off the floor. So. This child doesn't have wings. They can't fly. And we set these goals that you're just going to magically do what comes lastly. Naturally, you're going to be pointing and using your eye contact and and social smiles. And you're going to be talking. And they, they, they can't even get off the floor. They can't even walk from three feet from point A to point B by themselves. So we've got to think core, gross, fine. The social interaction occurs in the fine. Then we have independent functioning, which is huge. Many of our children, especially those with autism, are locked in. They're locked in their bodies. They're in these bodies. They're not getting physical therapy, even though they qualify for it. They're not able to control their own bodies and space to communicate with others. They're not able to control the objects in their environment. They're not able to do any of that. They are totally locked in. So when we look at these children that are totally locked in, they're, they're unable to communicate with others to their body. They're unable to control their environment. They are unable to use communication. Percent of communication is nonverbal. So we can't just treat a mouth. That's not working. I'm going to tell you a story when I had my epiphany moment. It was about five years after working in the field. And I thought about all those children I worked with that didn't develop speech. Now, of course, I'm using augmentative communication from day one. But speech is the most efficient way to communicate. And if we're going to develop speech before the age five really is the optimal time to do so when neuroplasticity is at its highest level. And I'm just trying day after day after day after day. And I continue to try day after day after day. And I have made great progress along the way, but I'm not done yet. But I thought, what do all of these children have in common? These children that are not developing speech, what do they all have in common? 
Do you know? They all had poor motor skill development. All of these children were the children that were falling over and flopping off their chairs, that had an adult propped them up behind them. All of these children could not walk three feet from point A to point B by themselves. Someone was holding their hand. They all had a severe motor impairment in the body. And I'm wondering, why are you developing speech? It took me five years to realize that. I listed all of their names through my five years of working. These children that keep me up at night, that keep me at the drawing board, they kind of haunt me a bit. I've tried everything with you. I forgot about your core. You can't fly. None of you, none of those children had strong core strength, had strong postural control. Check, 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 check. Get back to the core. Can't ignore the core. Okay, so what else does task-oriented movement activities improve? It improves imaginary play. It improves the story grammar, storytelling and retelling. So this, my friend, is what a therapy activity looks like. Yeah, now we're talking about treating the whole child. Jazz hands, yes. This is not flashcards. This is not chipper chat. This is not bingo markers. This is not your grandma's therapy. This is the good stuff. I wanna show you a photo of what therapy looks like because this is, you don't need all of the toys. You could just have a piece of tape on the ground for the child to follow a path. And then you could use, like for my sis activity, it has everything else. But as you can see, there's the language, there's the literacy, there's math, there's symbolic play, there's the fine motor, there's the gross motor, there's the association, there's the attention, there's the executive function. You look at the activity, you see it's like prego. It's in there. It's all in there. This is not a flashcard. Now, do you need gonge rocks? Do you need a slide? No. You might put a piece of tape on the ground for them to follow. You could zigzag it. Little tape crosses that they can hop to, making their little path each week. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place, one child at a time. You are always going to be first. I'll see you next week. 